Support for Kansas City Today comes from Grandma's Office Catering. One bank teller instead of the usual five. Slow, fast food lines. Simply not enough staff. Grandma's Office Catering avoided the mass exodus with the respect, appreciation, better wages, and now health insurance. That's how Grandma continues to wow. Grandma'sCatering.com. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia Dean. Today is Friday, April 15th. Coming up, a group of men at a Missouri prison are training to be computer programmers to help prepare for life after their release. I'm looking at commercials and I'm seeing how everything has advanced since I've been incarcerated. You know, I don't want to be left behind in society. Plus, Bradford pear trees are blooming all across Kansas and Missouri right now. So it's the perfect time for arborists to track them down in forests and kill them. You see the white bloom popping out of the landscape there? Yeah, it looks like it's hiding behind some eastern red cedars. Yes. And so this is the time of year where we're able to hunt these things down. The Kansas News Service explains why scientists say these ornamental pear trees have got to go. But first, some headlines. A near total ban on abortion in Oklahoma may increase the number of people seeking abortions in Kansas. Dylan Lyson of the Kansas News Service reports. Oklahoma's Republican governor signed legislation this week that makes providing an abortion a felony crime. Oklahoma joined several Republican-led states near Kansas to enact strict abortion laws. Zach Gingrich Gaylord is with Trust Women, an abortion rights organization. He says people from states with abortion bans are still seeking services, crowding remaining clinics and sending more women to Kansas. In Wichita, we are seeing around 50% out of state, and the vast majority of those people are from Oklahoma. But Kansas may soon enact a ban. Voters will be asked in August to approve a state constitutional amendment that would say there's no right to abortion in Kansas. That would allow for stricter laws. Kansas City Public Schools Superintendent Mark Bedell says the district is conducting its own investigation into a stabbing at Northeast Middle School. KCUR's Lisa Rodriguez reports. 14-year-old Manuel Guzman died Tuesday evening, hours after he was found inside a school bathroom suffering from stab wounds. Another student whose identity has not been disclosed has been charged with first-degree murder in Jackson County Juvenile Court. In a video statement to parents, Bedell said the district is working with police on their criminal investigation, along with an internal review of what happened that morning. We've taken the past 48 hours to process, grieve, support, assist, and collaborate with so many people. Our hearts are broken for our students, family, staff, and our community. Guzman's family has set up a GoFundMe to cover funeral expenses. The Kansas City Council has approved a half-million-dollar contract to study building more businesses and housing along the Prospect bus line. KCUR's Salisa Kalakal has more. The study will look into transit-oriented development with the goal of building more businesses and housing within walking distance of public transit. The overall goal is to increase the use of public transit in Kansas City. The city received $400,000 in federal funds and will contribute another $100,000 for local architecture firm Gold Evans to conduct the study. It will look at opportunities for mixed-use development and ways to increase bike and pedestrian access along the Prospect bus route. It will also look at ways to finance development projects along Prospect Avenue. Invasive plants like Bradford pear trees are spreading like weeds across Kansas and Missouri and wiping out food for birds, butterflies, and other wildlife. Kansas News Service reporters Celia Yopis-Jepson and Blaze Mesa explain the problem. 
Celia, this is a time of spring when you're driving down the highway or in the city, and you might notice a whole lot of trees covered in white flowers. It looks nice, but why are biologists, foresters, and others so worried? Yeah, so what you're seeing, or most of the trees you're seeing, are calorie pears. Um, you know, they're also known as Bradford pears, Cleveland pears, they go by a lot of names. But it's all the same species, and these are ornamental trees that escaped from our yards. Uh, they've gone rogue, basically, in at least half of Kansas counties. They're all over Missouri, too, and other parts of the country. And uh, they take over fields and other areas really pretty fast. But what are the stakes, really? Why is it a big deal to have them here? They reproduce prolifically, and they are smothering native shrubs and wildflowers and making it hard for native trees to reproduce. And then they, they quickly form these groves with tight canopies. Um, I'll let Ryan Armbrust explain. Now, he is with the Kansas Forest Service, and he can tell you what you see if you walk into those groves. You'll see just almost nothing underneath. You'll have bare ground. You'll have a few straggling bits of grass that are still trying to hang on. But for the most part, this becomes essentially a desert. There's nothing under there. You're not going to have any wildlife really using that. You're not going to have many insects. Ryan Armbrust has compiled Google Earth images and photos from you know rural and urban counties across Kansas. And... Um, they show that it, it's pretty dramatic what's happening. And if you want to see those photos, we have them on our website. Ryan Armbrust mentioned a, a desert effect without wildlife. Why would that even be? So let's talk about one example, um, butterflies and moths that you would normally see in Kansas. Now, if you have, say, an oak tree growing in Kansas City, well, that feeds more than 400 species of butterflies and moths when they're in that caterpillar phase of their life. Um, if you have a wild plum, which is another um, uh, native uh, shrub or tree in our area, um, that's more than 300 species of, of butterflies and moths that are thriving on that. You know, you take a goldenrod plant, you've got a hundred species of caterpillars feeding off of that. And then you take calorie pears and these come in and they get rid of those plants or they replace native plants. And so food disappears for butterflies and moths because they can't eat those calorie pears. Uh, and then you you go along the food chain and talk about different parts of the food chain. Well, let's talk about birds, for example. Well, birds need soft insects, primarily caterpillars, to feed their chicks. So birds lose food that they need to reproduce. There's a big effort in Johnson County to get this under control. Tell us about that. I went to Shawnee Mission Park, 1,700 acres. Um, it's got forests and trails and prairie. And we hopped in an off-road vehicle and looked for the pears. And uh, we're going to pull up to where we saw a pear hiding up here in a tree line. You see the white bloom popping out of the landscape there? That's Matt Garrett. He's the field biologist for Johnson County Park and Recreation District. And so this is the time of year where we're able to hunt these things down. His crew, you know, goes out, they find the pears, they take chainsaws to these trees. And then they very carefully apply a thin layer of herbicide to the trunk. Because you can't kill them by just chopping them down? Right. Or even by burning them. So a lot of people in Kansas are familiar with, you know, um, how ranchers will burn their land to beat back uh, other trees like eastern red cedars. You can also kill an eastern red cedar by cutting it off at the base. But when it comes to the calorie pears or the Bradford pears, as many people call them, um, no such luck. You can 
Chop these things down, you can burn them, and they will just come back the next season. That was reporters Blaze Mesa and Celia Yopis Jepson. The Kansas News Service reports on health, the many factors that influence it, and their connection to public policy. Almost half of all people released from prison in Missouri return within five years. But research shows prison education can help break this cycle. A St. Louis nonprofit is betting on that approach, training the next generation of computer programmers while they're incarcerated at a Missouri prison. St. Louis Public Radio's Shayla Farzan reports. On a recent afternoon in March, 15 men stood at the front of a cavernous beige room, each wearing a blue satin graduation cap. The mood was jovial as they whipped off their caps and tossed them in the air, surrounded by friends and family. The men had completed a six-month class in web development and programming with LaunchCode, a St. Louis nonprofit that provides free technology education. Thousands of students have taken the course over the years, but this graduating class is different. The students are all incarcerated at Missouri Eastern Correctional Center, a men's prison about 30 miles west of St. Louis. One of the students, Corey Pride, has been in prison for almost two decades. Programming takes me away from any chaos that's going on. Like, I can zone in and lose hours at a time just programming. Pride didn't know much about coding before taking this class, but he's learned quickly. Sometimes he gets so focused on his assignments that he'll work all night, the glow of his laptop the only light in his cell. Learning how to code has given Pride the tools to tackle a problem that he and many other incarcerated parents have faced, how to stay up to date on their children's progress in school. He built an app that he wished he had years ago, one that would allow parents to follow assignments and grades in real time. You automatically linked up with your student, your child. So as we uh, scroll down here, we were able to see all of the classes that the child is enrolled in and their current grade. Decades of research shows educational programs prepare incarcerated people for life after prison and can help prevent them from returning. An inmate who takes an educational course has about a 40 percent lower chance of returning to prison, according to the U.S. Department of Justice. Haley Schof is the vice president of justice programs at LaunchCode. She says the web development course is designed to help prepare incarcerated people for jobs in the tech industry. There's just a huge amount of hunger and aptitude and excitement from incarcerated students for learning these skills, both as a personal development and skill building opportunity and also as they think about moving forward into the world. But Shof says this program is about more than job readiness training. Learning how to code can help students think about how they might address challenges in their world. For student Avis Heyman, taking the programming class at the prison was especially difficult because he had never touched a computer before. It was always hard blocks and things that I didn't understand. Errors just popping up everywhere on my laptop. And I had no idea of where to do or how to start it or go back and fix things. Oh, it was a mess. Some days were so challenging that Heyman says he thought about quitting. But every small step, learning how to type, how to navigate new programming languages, gave him enough momentum to keep going. Heyman is up for parole in two years, and he says learning how to code has made him feel more prepared for life outside of prison. I'm looking at commercials and I'm seeing how everything is, has advanced since I've been 
incarcerated. You know, I don't want to be left behind in society. Some formerly incarcerated coding students are already navigating this transition. Chris Santillian participated in a pilot program through Launch Code at Potosi Correctional Center. He left prison in February after 27 years behind bars. He's now working at a tech startup that designs learning management systems for people in prison. With everything in my life being brand new, the one thing that has remained consistent is that I have this job. Santillian says he's slowly rebuilding his life, a process that could be overwhelming. But he's trying to think about it like he's designing a computer program, step by step. If I were to take that 10,000-foot view and just say, hey, how do I fit in with the world? Uh, you know, it would paralyze me. But if I can take it, you know, down into simple chunks, like, okay, you know what? I have a morning routine. Or how do I clean the kitchen? It's not as scary because I've already formed these tiny little milestones. Pretty soon, Santillian says, all of those little pieces will add up and he'll have a whole life. I'm Shayla Farzan. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia Dean. This podcast is produced by Byron Love and KCUR Studios and edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. To read Celia's story about Bradford pear trees and Shayla's story about learning to code in Missouri prisons, visit kcur.org, where you can find more local news from Kansas City's NPR station. On Monday, we'll take our usual look at what's going on in the Missouri and Kansas legislatures. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next week. Thank you.